At the end of the day, old school shmups are cut and dry. It's either shoot or be shot. Let's talk about how you might get shot in one old school shmup known as Metal Black. Tonight on the Commune Podcast. And welcome to the Commune Podcast. This time we will be talking about Metal Black, an enemy design. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask, Shouty, how have you been doing? Everything well, thank you. Alright, glad to hear. Oak, how have you been doing? I've been doing fine. Alright. Thank you. Yourself, how have you been doing? Uh, a little toasty since they shut off the AC, but other than that, alright. Oh wow, I didn't even notice. I still have my sweater on. No, it's fucking hot. <laughs> you ever notice? A little. In my car. Adrian, how have you been doing? Uh, well, I have shitty group projects in college that I have to do, and those never work out well. Oh. Tell me about it. Well, I'm sorry. That sucks. Yeah, I swear, it's like you always get the one guy I, that... I, I, Who's peeing? Oh. Sorry, I, I forgot to mute my mic when I turned on the sink. Oh. <laughs> wow, your sink is not that close to your mic. Your sink is not that close to your fan. I guess it's impressive how sensitive my mic is then. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, Adrian, what have you been playing? Well, <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Metal Black, and I think... Oh, no, I was also playing Super Mario World with my niece. Aw, cool. How'd she like it? She's too young to really play video games, or even hold the controller. And she's the kind of person that gets kind of scared easily. Like, you go to the casual stage, and she's like, I don't want to do this, and then she just gives me the controller to do it. like... Babies aren't people. (laughs) She's not a baby, though. This discussion. But you said she was a person. So, what do you think of Super Mario World, Adrian? <laughs> Super. <laughs> it's. Well, the thing is, I didn't get to play. Actually, I should have said it was actually more interesting watching my mother play because, you know, we all have to watch over her. So, it was actually interesting watching someone that wasn't good at video games, but still able to kind of play through uh, even some of the later stages in Super Mario World. Oh. I guess what I what I do think is that Mario World might actually be one of the better Mario games to introduce new people to because I think it might be one of the easier ones. It's really very intuitive. Yeah, I think it's actually they put all like the really tough levels in the Star Worlds and the yeah. you know the Secret World. That's where they put all the really really fucking hard challenges. Or the hard challenges are the secret exits are on the levels with two exits, and the main exit is pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, there's a certain density of, or like, 
range of challenge any of the given levels? Yeah, Versus I could. Super Mario Brothers 3, where it's just really hard all the time. What about New Super Mario Brothers? I think those are just really boring all the time. <laughs> uh, good thing Richard isn't here. Oh. Yeah, I don't agree with that. And so, I don't, cause, like, I don't agree that Super Mario Bros. 3 is hard all the time. I mean, I can breeze through the first... Type land, type... Super Mario Bros. 3 definitely gets hard rather earlier compared to, say, Super Mario yeah. World or games. Yeah, look at, look at World yeah. 3. I yeah, say pretty much yeah, pretty much even World Two has a few tough days. Yeah, once you get to the third world of Super Mario Brothers Three, I remember when I was playing as kids, that was always our stopping point. That was where we'd start running into levels that we just couldn't beat. Would be in the third world of Super Mario with Super Mario Brothers Three. I think I could probably figure out which levels too, and it's any level that's like half water, half land, and that's mainly because the the swimming controls. Like the exact point in which Mario actually jumps out of the water instead of merely just floating near the top is kind of tricky to get used to. Especially the ones where there's a, a big porky puffer. Not porky puffer. Yeah, Whatever that one's... Yeah, the one that keeps chasing you throughout the whole level and keeps jumping at you. So it sounds like you uh, you found a good introduction there. Oak, what have you been playing? Well, I've been mixing up. I've been, uh, I played a little bit of Valkyria Chronicles, but then I kind of lost interest midway through. Then I've been replaying some Super Mario 3D World, and then, of course, I've been spending all day today and yesterday messing around with Super Mario Maker. So how, how come you got bored with Valkyria Chronicles? I don't know. I got bored the last time too. It's like it's just. I think it's just. I'm not kind of. I'm just not in the mood for it right now. I was playing through it, and to be fair, I was kind of using a walkthrough because I wanted to get like the A's and all that. So maybe, maybe I, maybe yeah, maybe it was the lack of planning. Also, I'm not a big strategy person game anyway. But the whole war thing, it was interesting at first. Then I don't know. It just. I, I want to say it's less that I lost interest with that more than I got interest into something else. I suddenly got into a big craving to play Mario. Uh. So. It's more like it got shoved under the rug because it's like, oh, no, I want to play Mario now. I, I don't know. When do you not have a craving to play Mario? <laughs> <laughs> when, I wanna, when I want to play something else. Cravings change a lot, actually. Because like I said, before that, my craving was to play Batman, and then I married, that's why I went through all the Arkham games in a row. I gotcha. Uh, is Mario Maker treating you well? Yeah, it's good. I've already made four. Uh, it's kind of funny when I first got it. Uh, I didn't want to get it because I'm like I'm not creative. I don't really like creating stuff. But then uh, I ended up playing it, and then not only did I like playing through the levels, but then uh, I'm here. I'm on the second day. I've already made. I've already made four levels because it's actually so intuitive and actually kind of fun actually to make the levels. And that's from someone who usually doesn't like creating stuff. Nice. I'm glad to hear. Yourself? What have you been playing? Aside from a number of other shmups, which I figure will probably come up later in conversation, so I won't mention now, Final Fantasy X, been winding that up, finally got down to the end, got the airship doing endgame content, pretending like I care about that. (laughs) (laughs) There's just a, my cynicism comes from the fact that the endgame content is Largely oriented around taking the airship to very specific places, which usually just involve a number of, or like entering specific coordinates, and you find the specific coordinates by uh, coming through the game and finding every single treasure chest. So it's the kind of thing that feels like it's just there 
for the person who doesn't want to come through the game and find every single treasure chest, but wants to just look up online what the code is to get to everywhere. <laughs> it, uh, for a second there, it sounded like you were describing Wind Waker and then treasure maps. Uh, yeah, but... My favorite part of the game. Wind Waker, like, helps you along on the way to get those treasure maps, and more than anything, uh, you actually know in Wind Waker that's what you're doing. Um, I think the the weirdest bit of Final Fantasy X is that like, there aren't any cues that side quests or ultimate weapons or alternate summons exist in the game. You just need to, like, until you come across it, you don't have any way of knowing it exists. Like, uh, for instance, one of the things necessary to get Titus's ultimate weapon once you find it is to get another item that you get from getting a very specific score in one of the mini-games. And there's no cue that that mini-game has anything to do with that weapon or that getting a good score in that mini-game leads to anything at all. It's just, if you're the kind of person who sits there and plays that 24 hours a day, then you'll come across it. I'm sure Final Fantasy X has a bevy of uh, wonderful mini-games. Like what? They are pretty brutal. (laughs) I mean, in its defense, it feels like they're trying to do a Zelda thing where they have stuff like an archery range, but they're just... They're bad and they're way too technical. That's weird. That they're... I mean, that they're too technical. Yeah, it just feels like it doesn't belong in the game. uh, Yeah, because, I mean, it's an RPG. You think you might want to tone down with keeping hard action challenges in the game when most of it is about, what, turn-based, more tactical kind of combat? Yep, the epitome of it is the uh, lightning fields where you have to do a quick-time event 100 times in a row without messing up uh, to get something. Anyway, right. that makes it sound all bad, but Final Fantasy X was actually good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you described the bad part for us. <laughs> is that just you heard the bad part of the game? No, it's just that that's a new thing for me that I'm observing. All right. And, Shouty, what have you been playing? Undertale. Uh, what pray tell is that? <laughs> <laughs> it is a video game by um the music composer, uh, a music composer of the webcomic Homestuck. Oh, and, um For what console? It's for it's multi-plat PC. Which okay. composer is by? Which oh by Toby Fox. Oh, Radiation, cool. Yeah, it might seem pretentious, but um, the gimmick of the game is that you can talk to enemies that you encounter instead of killing them, and convince them not uh, to hurt you anymore, so you can just spare them and run away. So these uh, are like dialogue soul challenges. Soul Blazer? No, it's not. Yeah, you can talk to enemies in Soul Blazer, can't you? Wait, I no. honestly don't remember. No, am I thinking no. of a different game from that uh, vintage? <laughs> I mean, we commuted that. I should know, but I don't. No, you don't talk to enemies. Okay. Thank no, you. you talk to other stuff in Soul Blazer. Talk yeah, to you talk to like yeah, you talk to like inanimate objects. But in Undertale, you're talking to things that are attacking you. So, are these like dialogue challenges? No, um, you're under attack by enemies, and you need to convince them while they're attacking you to stop hurting you. 
and you can spare them. Uh, so but how do you do that? Yeah. Um, you get you get yeah you do get dialogue options. Not necessarily like more like action choices. It's kind of like a, a multiple choice text based adventure. But you're still in an RP a, a turn based RPG where you, you're you so still die immediately. Is that to say, like, one command is attack and one command is dialogue? Yeah, one command is, like, you, you have your fight, and, you, and then you have act. And, and act brings up a, a variety of choices that you can use on certain enemies. Okay. Like, there might be one enemy where you can, you can either talk to them, or you can either compliment them, or you can either put them down. And usually, um... Oh, it's, it. <laughs> that took me a second. Yeah, I, you can either and usually um, complimenting and making an enemy feel good about itself in a positive way is um, the way to beat it's a way to beat them. <laughs> uh, so, how do you like it? Um, I beat it, and I think it's good. Okay. I think That's it's the... really good. This it's, it has a really good story. Forgot to mute himself. <laughs> oh. That's all right. Sorry, my hands are dirty, but I'm done cleaning it now, so... Okay. For some reason, all that reminded me of Obokin, where you could bribe or beg for mercy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but this is different, because this game is more feel-good and not not crappy like Obokin. And you don't have finite money. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, (laughs) That was a genius element of Hoboken. It's just a pot (laughs) shot at Hoboken. Yeah, there's no finite money in this game. You can keep grinding. Like you can, when you spare an enemy, as opposed to just running away, you get money from them, but you don't get experience. You don't level up. Okay, I'll so, take it. So, so, like, if you play a run where you do not kill anything, you'll always be on level one. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that worked out. Uh, by the way, East, East Books 1 and 2 is the game I was thinking of where you can turn into a monster and talk to other monsters. I remember you mentioned that. Sounds like wind someone's blood. in a wind tunnel. What's it called? Oh, uh, what the fan? Now that the fan's clean, it's making too much noise. Is that what's happening? Oh yeah, it's yeah. hitting the mic. All right. But, um, but what's what's this game called? Is it all right now? Yes. Yeah. East book one and two. It's East. You know. Oh oh East. Yeah. Okay. I know East. This time, we cover enemies in Metal Black. It's an automatically scrolling space shooter, so enemies can zoom in and out and do all kinds of stuff while they're around. Here, we keep our discussion simple, outlining what enemies can do and comparing enemies as we go. It goes a long way to give the feel for each round of Metal Black. Stage one ever give you any trouble? Like once. Like uh, on your first time through? Yeah. Can I, should I say? Yeah. Yeah, I think we all know what you're going to say. 
Yeah, I'm gonna talk about the hermit, the landing strip hermit crab. Yeah. Like I didn't know I had to stay. I, I didn't know I had to fall back in front of it. I I thought I could just go. Up. I I knew that the landing strip itself was an obstacle, but I didn't know that it would start moving in on me. And I thought I could like squeeze my way out of it. Is the hermit crab fast? No, it's just impending. How do you mean? Like it, there's no way to escape it if you're stuck. When you're like above the landing strip in the in, in the pocket between in the, in the landing strip and the rest of the screen, and the hermit crab starts moving, you might not have enough time to get out. Get out. First time I played, I thought it was part of the background, and I just cried. I, I, ran <laughs> I thought yeah, the part- reason that didn't happen to me is because I saw Greg fall for that same thing. <laughs> yeah. Before the hermit crab even showed up, I th- I just literally ran right into it and died because I thought it was part of the background. Yeah, I, thought, I, I could uh, see. Yeah, I could see that, but I I used my more seasoned instincts to realize it was not a background object. You can actually. Uh, one thing I used to test surfaces in this game is shooting. Oh yeah. Yeah, let's check in the book. So yeah. that guy is actually kind of frustrating because even though he's slow, it's so big. He takes up so much of the screen. You can't really get out of the way, even if you see it coming. Yeah. It, he, the battleship actually moves so far left before he even starts lifting it up that um, naturally, because it's oriented diagonally left, you're going to think, well, it's going to cover up the top left after, faster than it's going to cover the top right, so naturally you're going to move to the right where there's more space. But the problem is that if you do that, you won't have enough time at all to go to the left yeah, and he fakes you out. Yeah, he, yeah, that's what he does. He fakes you out. Kind of, it's it's a really like beginner's trap kind of thing, in that they make you move one way, thinking you're going to be safe, but it turns out that no, that's actually a total trap, and you're kind of just sit there, just waiting for death. Like, when's he going to stop? When's he going to stop? Oh no, he's not going to stop. He's going to round me into a corner. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to move down. There's like there's a couple of moments like that where things are either by the time you realize that they're not going to stop, it's already too late, or that they're just kind of impossible to avoid if they behave in a certain way. So would you call all of those beginner's traps? I would call them unfair. Uh, n- yeah, i just call them unfair. Like, uh, the boss for my level that I picked uh, has a particular move that it can do in combination that I have, I have no idea how you're supposed to avoid. I think they kind of just screwed up Okay. and basically made an impossible move. Well, obviously everything can be avoided somehow, because I, I know I just watched a full someone play through the entire thing without being hit once, which was just, I don't know what well, the hell it was. I'm not saying it's not impossible. I'm saying that on your first time playing through, you're not going to expect this to happen. I'm saying it is impossible if it does the right combination. That means it can just be a luck factor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, but, yeah. but it really boils down that, to memory. Yeah. Yeah. That being the case, I mean, we can get into specifics later, but um, yeah, that also depends on what situations uh, like you allow to progress. So the hermit crab is an instance where you have no control over what's going on at that particular time. You have no influence on when the hermit crab spawns. Uh, you can't kill it, or you can't kill that aspect of it. That, um, it at that time, you can kill it later. Right. So... It's essentially like a cutscene that happens, and there's only one way to solve it. Whereas some of the stuff, uh, like the boss you're talking about later, that's not necessarily the case. 
like, you don't always get to the same points in the boss fight. Yeah, you can beat the boss fight quick enough that it doesn't have to happen. Yeah. We, we can leave uh, that for later, though. Yeah. yeah let's do that. So, Shouty, I wanted to ask, are there any particular recurring enemies that stick out to you about Stage 1? There's the, the, the little red neck droid things. So how do they... Actually, they are pretty interesting. How do they work? They walk along the ground and they shoot at you. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> just as interesting as they were sold as. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what makes them truly interesting is that... Uh, and there's actually a couple enemies in the game like this, that they keep walking until they match your horizontal position. So you can herd them into a favorable position, which is important because you can only shoot in the one direction. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, do people find themselves hurting those guys? I really uh, could first, hurt them. I don't really hurt them. I usually kill them as quick as possible. The first one I typically do, because he comes from the back of the screen, or, okay, it might not be the first one, but there is one that comes from the back of the screen, and naturally, because, as you said, you can only shoot forward, it tends to be beneficial, or just, just when I'm playing it safe, I just let him get up uh, far enough on the screen so that I can safely fit in behind him. I don't think I actually noticed that behavior of them, or not enough that I deliberately manipulated it anyways, because oftentimes they're usually firing and they stand in place when they're firing, that's pretty much when they're sitting ducks, so it's easy to take them out when they do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a particularly dangerous enemy to start with. It just uh, gives you a little sample of that type of element. Yeah, what's to come. In the later levels, I think stage four is actually one of them, which is why it's so hard, where they have a ton of those, and they're different, too. They're blue. So, Shouty, do those Red Walker guys ever get any interesting combinations with other enemies? Yeah. You have the green guys coming in from the top, and the Red Walker still firing from the bottom. So I think it's interesting that you have to manage... Which one's to shoot first? Yeah, you have two things for your attention, and you can't really go to both of them at once because of your limited shot range. Yeah. Personally, I find what I do, I find hurting important for that guy because if you get him far enough to the right, you can kill him at the same time as the lower squad of green guys comes in so that my bottom bullet goes to the red guys and my top bullet goes to the green guys. Oh, yeah. I can see that, but I feel like by the time you've already killed the red guy... Coming from boom from behind, uh, it's already dead, and you can just focus on the green guys. Yeah. So, let's see. Aside from the landing strip, have you memorized any parts? No. Alright. Do you ever attack enemies vertically with your shot? Um, yeah. Usually by accident, though. Oh. Like, I, I may or may not be able to get them with my powered-up shot that has not more range. Okay, so it's not something you go out of your way to do, but you take it if you get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I just mash the button and hope I'm safe from enemies <laughs> that might have gotten past me. Yeah, okay. So would you say enemies are fast or slow in that stage? I think they're slow and predictable in this stage. Okay. I mean, aside, from, aside from the crab, well, the crab isn't, it isn't fast. It but is it's not slow. predictable. <laughs> yeah, it's not predictable. Okay. Do you ever use your boss beam in this stage? No. I don't see any use for it. Yeah, it's not that complicated. Is the boss predictable? Yeah, the boss has its, like, goes with emotions sort of deal. How do you mean? You mean it has a set of patterns that you can easily follow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. won't do anything out of the ordinary. So, like, you never found yourself surprised by it? No. 
set to say it's pretty slow? Yeah. Hang on, can you it's give us a, a rundown of what the boss does? Yeah, the boss, it, um, it, it fires like a bunch of, uh, it fires a barrage of shots that you can block yourself with your own regular shot. And then it goes into like a try attack, I guess a, a try attack spread that you can easily just weave through. And then it has its has its beam that you can duel with. So the try attack spread is actually kind of important to this game. It comes up multiple times. An enemy will shoot three shots at the same time. One of the shots is aimed directly at your current position. One of the shots is angled down, and one of the shots is angled up from that starting position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, an additional component of that boss that is not something that you really need to interact with, but is there, especially if you want to mess with your beam in the level. That boss shoots directly at you. He has a power level. You have a power level as well. So for your shots to sufficiently overtake him, I think you need to be at an equal power level. It might be okay if you're a little lower. Mm -hmm. But dealing with those bullets is actually reliant on you coming into that fight at power level 5, or being at power level 5, which is sort of the kind of thing I was alluding to earlier, where the situations you're facing are going to be determined by some amount of setup. Like, once you're in the fight at power level 1, there's not much you can do about it, except for try to get as many power-ups as possible, but you're in control of the fact that, or of what power level you get to the fight at. Yeah, and it's not necessary to duel with his own boss beam with yours. Right, yeah. and uh, yeah, you can additionally choose to risk your power level to duel his beam, or you can just play it safe, not do that, and then be able to deal with his bullets easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can also just save the beam for his face. Yeah, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you can kill him before he even gets to his beam phase if you just use yours. I've never yeah. tried I think at the highest level, like Max 5, I think, yeah, you can do that. I don't know. I know you can kill that boss really fast if you don't waste your beam trying to duel with them. Actually, I'm not sure if beam dueling with any of the bosses really worked. Well, I think I only managed one or two times where I saw this black ball coming out. It looked really cool, but um, so I think... Um, it, just as a rule of thumb, beam duels are good if you want to just survive, and if you're looking to score well, you want the boss to hang around longer. In the community, beam dueling is usually looked upon as more of a straight-up survival strategy that is at the lowest level of getting through the game. So they're saying it's cheap because it's easy. Yeah, and, you know, Metal Black is a hard game, so it's not like they're going to make fun of you for that. But It's yeah. sort of... Kind of thing you want to do if you just want to try to get th- if you're trying to get through the game on as little quarters as possible, but yeah. you're not. Gonna do it if you're, tr- but it's not going to get you the high score. Yeah, it's uh, in a sense letting the game dictate how you play. Like saving your beams for beam duels, you're going to be playing the exact same as the other guy who saves his for beam duels. So naturally, at a higher level of play, you self-select that kind of mechanic. Yeah. It's also neat because it allows you an element of interaction with the boss that you usually don't get, where rather than just avoiding his shots and trying to hit him with yours, your two shots have an interaction as well. See, I like the, I, I prefer the Bandle just because I thought that, just that, would, that was just cool and it dealt you yeah. air games. <laughs> That's why I, I prefer to use it. Not so, much, not so much I wasn't concerned about the either survival or the high score. I just liked it because it looked cool. 
It does yeah. look really cool. It looks cool, but um, I, I thought there was like an advantage to using it because only one time I got it to where you know this black ball came out and it went toward the boss. And I think it hurt him. Yeah. Yeah. If you're at equal levels and you mash the attack button, that's what happens. Oh, you mash it. Okay. Yeah, that's the dual aspect of it. Okay. Yeah, because that's the thing. Because I didn't know how that exactly worked. I had mostly been saving my beams just for like um, just for when things get too hectic during the normal stage, and not really the boss. And normally the power beams they usually shoot are kind of easy to avoid. So that's why even when I do get enough new loans within the fight itself, I usually just use the beam on their face whenever they were vulnerable. So shouty, do you like the enemy design in level one? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Well, aside from the crab, I think it's fair. Okay. But I think it also offers, you know, interesting tactics that the player has to pull. Like we said with the the flying enemies and the red droid enemies. Yeah. So I think it offers a fair and uh, tactical challenge. Along those lines, there's also one enemy that's interesting in a way you never see. The planes will behave differently once they cross your position. Or, I don't know, at a certain point in the screen, they, like, drop, and then they fire a missile, and they do all this crazy crap, but you never see it, because yeah. you just call them as soon as they come on. Yeah. Um, that's a shame. That is a shame. They never had a chance. <laughs> so, Oak, do you like the enemy design in round two? Yeah, level two. Um, it's kind of interesting, because especially cause it's nice theming, because it starts you right off with the two space shuttles. Because you're right here, it's the, whole, the whole theme of the level is the moon. And you've got the moon right in the center of the background during the entire level. So they right star you off with these two slow shut these two shuttles coming in right in from the background, which um, you can get if you're stupid, like I was on the first playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let it just go and just hit you. I don't, <laughs> then, I, I don't know. The, the first time, I, I I wouldn't blame anyone if the first one caught them off guard, but yeah. yeah. Because it does come from the left of the screen. and In uh, stage one, you're fine to hug the left of the screen. And also, with the whole thing about filing aliens and all that, the space shuttle looks like an Earth space shuttle. So, if anything, I thought it would be an ally. or So I thought it was some kind of ally or a story thing or something. Yeah. I didn't know it was an enemy because that didn't look alien. It looked like an Earth, it looked like an Earth space shuttle. Yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, but yeah, then you, know, you got those, and then you've got, you know, the various little shooter guys, and then, uh, it's kind of, there's those little blue inset things, too, which kind of, like, split apart and, uh, come at you, which can be kind of annoying, and then the, the piranhas are cool, the piranhas seem kind of easy to deal with, because they hang around in, like, well, like a pack or something, so you, it seems like you can easily get rid of all of them, but one enemy kind, type or whatever it is that I really don't like in this level, though, are those little pink things, Whatever uh, those are, the pink oh, things. Yeah, they they come out from the top and bottom of the screen and wave around. Yeah, they, they, it's a, it's like it's like a funfetti thing that just comes. To me, I, I I could not figure out how to dodge those. Though the, I died from those things more often than anything else in that stage. You know what's interesting is that I think the the hitbox. Actually, I think this is probably true of most old shmups, but um, the hitbox of the ship is actually a rectangular. It's not a little dot that's the cockpit. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You've got the little sushi things that just come that 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 come in and then shoot like a diagonal laser. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those are those are pretty fast. Little purple those, guys. Oh, oh, 
I was thinking of another enemy, but yeah, those uh, those fucked me over too. Yeah. I, those were, I mean, I those were weren't too bad. Then those the that that yellow thing as well, which just spams the little spams the beams at you. It can be kind of it's not too fast. I think really none none of the enemies are really that fast. They just kind of they come at you from all angles and all that. And like I said, the really. Like I said, the really only real hard part of this level, I'd say, was ours is when the state is when the whole screen is filled with those pink spikes. Yeah, what's strange oh. is that out of all of the enemies, you singled out as the most difficult enemy, the one with the simplest pattern, right? Those just go back and forth. The pink spikes. Yeah. Well, it's because they're so. It's because they all come. They all drop down. It's it's more about quantity. They drop down from uh, from top and bottom, and they, they it's it's what it is is that for a, a brief thing, the screen is full of them, and it's hard to die. It's it's hard to unless you knew they were coming and knew exactly where they were going to be. You, you most of the time you're going to be in a position where you can't maneuver through them without getting hit. I see. I think one of the things that makes it tricky is because of, again the rectangular shape, which means. It's actually harder to weave through them because they're weaving from top to bottom, bottom to top, versus if they were coming from the side where your ship is much thinner. But also because they usually pair up other enemies to go alongside with the purple wall things. Yeah. Oh, we should. Uh, you can use the video to uh, timestamps to give us an idea of which parts in particular that gave you trouble. Um, I'm trying to see. Cause I see there's a few parts that has a lot of the little pink things. Uh, like, hold on. I know where. When do they start showing up? They start showing up around like somewhere around 6:30, I think. Or no, that's not it. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm darting around in here. But I forget the exact part. But I was. Oh yeah, around seven. Around seven o'clock is when. Around yes, around <laughs> seven minutes in is when they start going. In, is when it's that's the section where it's a whole bunch of them. And really, there aren't that many other enemies. But I remember, I think the big thing is I've noticed this guy playing through, like, through this whole section, through most of this level, he sticks to the left. And I think a lot of that is I was, like, kind of in the center for most of the my playthrough. Yeah, that that is one thing that um, where knowing the levels uh, definitely helped is knowing when you're able to actually go to the back of the screen so that um, during the part and knowing when to move away because you know an enemy's going to spawn from the left side. That's definitely when... Um, yeah, really helps. Because yeah. after all, this level initially started out with an enemy coming from the left of the screen, so already you kind of want to be wary of that. Um, but this person has used their knowledge to their advantage to know when to talk on the left after they've already, you know, done that. So when the stars are spawning in, they're randomly positioned, and there are so many of them that even if they weren't, you wouldn't be able to memorize it. But regardless, they're spawning from the top and bottom of the screen, and if you need to manage what's on the screen, really what you want to do is try to attack them to try to, just as with anywhere else in the game, to try and limit the uh, amount of stuff that's going on. So because of the fact that they will not come at you from your right, they're just coming from the top and bottom, and because your laser covers your ship from the top and bottom, if you stay roughly at the X part of the screen where they're spawning from, you can sort of shift oh, left and right yeah. Uh, yeah. to kill them as they come in. That's cool, I know, yeah. I know the trick you're talking about. Yeah, I use that a lot for um, this stage and the part where you see a lot of those fish things come out and they start yeah. shooting diagonally. Uh, you you oh. basically, like, graze the top and bottom of them 
so that you can shoot things that are directly above or below you um, because the hitboxes for your lasers. Because you actually start off with a double shot in this instead of a, just a single shot, and you can actually hit things that are a little bit above and a little bit below you. Cool. So, yeah, definitely I use that to my advantage, and um, that definitely helps. Obviously, you can use that for that part, too. There were also the little dudes who come in and then they shoot two things uh, uh, from the top and bottom. They aren't too bad if you can shoot them before they fire off their thing. They, they show up around, uh, hold on, let me find them. Uh, they show up around like an, around 8.13 is a whole bunch of them. Oh yeah, those are the things I'm talking about. The, 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 guys. Guys, the two diagonals. Yeah, in fact, he actually does that exact thing I was talking about where he shoots ones that are directly above and below him. Let me... Yeah. Around 8.22, you're going to see him pull that maneuver off. Like, there's just enough space to squeeze through them and then kill them both at the same time. It definitely helps out. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah, you also yeah. need to yeah. be careful with the other ones that will shoot diagonals. But I feel so, like in order to do that, like I said, I feel like you can only really do that if you know exactly where they're going to come from. Because these guys the, because these guys are probably the fastest enemies in that level. Like, they just they just dart right in, fire the missile, and leave. They're very fast. They're probably, like I said, they're the, most enemies uh, that come in, they're kind of slow, or more slow or medium. But those guys, they just dart right in. Well, at least, unlike the stars, these, those guys completely come in from the left and right sides of the screen. So you yeah. can rely on that. Yeah. What's also well, interesting is that the two hard parts you've named are enemies that are completely on their own, and they just spam one of a type of an enemy, or yeah. one enemy type. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of it, like what it boils down to, a lot of the problem is just, like I said, is when you don't know where they're going to show up, is when they suddenly spam a quantity of the enemies at you. And it's our, and for me, like I said, if you don't memorize it, it's about maneuvering between all the uh, projectiles to get around. So yeah, and then anyway, then we have the boss. So um, the the boss is pretty cool. Uh, I like how even though it's weird that the the moon's still in the background, it close it does a huge close up on the moon, but then another moon comes on, which is <laughs> actually not. Yeah. A moon. yeah, I think the name of the song for that stage is called Dual Moon. Yeah. It's a fake out. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a, that's probably that boss intro. That was probably one of the most horrible parts of the game for me. That was so cool. And then the boss itself, actually, I didn't find that boss too uh, difficult. You, I mean, he's I had that a few times, but uh, like if you look at it, a lot of the times, like if you just stay, you know, there are, there are obvious safe spots during the battle, like when he's firing those. Uh, when he when he first when he's first standing there and firing all this stuff, if you just stay at the top and you're just shooting at his head, which you're going to be anyway because you figure instinct would be would common sense would be to shoot the, shoot the head. So it sounds like you're pretty much safe there. And then you got also got all this. Um, what's it called? Never alone. New alone. New alone. What? <laughs> N- new alone. All yeah, not the old alone. The new alone. <laughs> <laughs> So what is the is the new is the new alone Macaulay Culkin's son or um... <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so the new alone is I, I like that they make sure you always have plenty of new alone because even when you do pick up all that stuff eventually this little yellow guy comes in whose whose entire purpose seems to be that he just spawns more new alone actually what just the opposite no. yeah he he's just taking up the new alone and oh, feeding it to up. the boss. I didn't know that. I thought he was spawning the new alone. 
Yeah, well, I, I completely misunderstood that because whenever I saw him, I would attack that that guy thinking that he was dropping new alone and then I was picking it up. I didn't realize he was picking up the new alone in the first place. <laughs> no. Yeah. He's, he's fitting it to his 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 baby boss like a yeah. mother bird. So that's, uh, the bosses can because they also use a special move that looks a lot like yours. They actually take new alone for themselves and use it to do their own beam attack. Yeah, which really, is kind of cool. Dodging him never was that difficult. the The difficult part was those little those little disco balls that come in oh, and they God. shoot the laser and they reflect the laser off of each other, which I thought was really cool. But it was They're so more kind of fake funny. means. What yeah. was that? That's more fake means. Yes, yeah, yeah. to call them disco balls. But they're, they're more fake. They're so tiny; they look more like disco balls. I should mention we mentioned the snake guy that eats New Alone, but the boss himself also has a pattern where he chases New Alone, and his AI, his movement pattern is determined by where New Alone is on the screen. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Oh, yeah, apparently, you can destroy the little. When I remember when I first saw when I first saw those, I didn't try attacking the little moons because I thought I didn't think they, I didn't treat them as regular enemies. I thought they were just there to reflect the lasers off. I didn't think you could destroy them, but apparently you can, which is cool. Yeah, they they do flash white when you shoot that at, at them, so you you can pellet them to death. Yeah. So but, I mean, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it was, I'm like with the reflecting laser, it can be sometimes a little annoying, but really, uh, I never found the boss that bad. And I thought that uh, really the boss was a really cool, uh, memorable end of the level. And I would say the level stage two in general was probably the best themed level of the whole game, except for maybe the final boss battle. The whole level just keeps going with this theme, and it's beautiful. And the final boss just makes the whole thing nice. So you said on the whole round two has enemies you like, enemies you don't like. It's kind of a yeah. good mix of frustrating and fun. <laughs> yeah, it's good theming, but yeah, then yeah, there's obviously yeah, there's frustrating you know uh, projectile spam sections. Okay. But I mean, there's more near as much, and really, it, for the most part, it's straightforward. It's just straightforward, just projectiles everywhere. There's no like tricks. There's no like. There's no maneuvering through walls or anything like that, or any of the stuff that later comes up, as we'll, as the other guys will talk about. There's none of the stuff that later pops up in stage three and three, four, and five, and to make things uh, difficult for you. It's pretty so, much straight. It's just straightforward enemies and projectiles everywhere. Is that to say the parts you do like when the game is more calm and collected, and there's not a whole lot going on on screen? Uh, it is kind of fun to play along. Yeah, it's, it's it's fun to play through and all that. It's just yeah, it's just like I said, for me and like I said, uh, I, I have disclaimer. I'm not really more. I'm not really a shmup player. This is uh, this is probably the first shmup I've played in ages. But yeah, I mean, for someone like me, it's it's more it's more about atmosphere than anything. I like enjoying the atmosphere and seeing the boss. And then when I'm like I said, rather than the challenge, and when I'm plugged with the whole ton of enemies at once, that's <laughs> the part where it's like I'm like, yeah, let's just get through this. Stage two, uh, not maybe in regards to difficulty, but actually something that does for me influence it is I think stage two is very diagonally oriented. You have the purple enemies that shoot lasers on a diagonal. You have the fish enemies that shoot on two diagonals. And you have the stars that come in from the top and bottom, which they follow like a sign pattern type curve. So it's not exactly diagonal, but it's not a direct up, down, left, right sure. situation. And I'm sorry, did you mention the shuttles? 
I was going to say the shuttles as well uh, have that sort of uh, curving pattern to them. Not so much the first ones don't, uh, but the ones later in the level that show up do come in at an arc. Oh, Um, I meant the spikes. Those are diagonal. This. Oh, yeah, the the patterns that they shoot. Yeah, I guess I tend not to be in front of the shuttles, but you're right that as well. I think that naturally. There's diagonal stuff going on in every level, because that's uh, just going to happen. But It's not Space Invaders. <laughs> right. But I think that that level in particular really challenges you with that. And the particular challenge of diagonal enemies is that when you're shooting at them, they're covering a different area of the screen that you're liable to walk into. So one of the things I found helping my gameplay there was just to try and stick to like an X coordinate and only move up and down so that I was sort of counteracting the effect of the large diagonal coverage of the enemy patterns. The diagonal shots make space complicated to read, and how you've addressed that is by making the space you cover more simple. Right, and it's not necessarily like that's the way to beat the level, but that makes it easier for me to process what's going on and like it just simplifies the challenge or the space relations going on. Yeah, okay. Oak, I forgot to ask. Are there any times during the stage that you use the boss beam? Uh, no, I don't recall. I prefer saving the boss beam to use on the boss because, like as I said, I find the beam duel thing really cool and I like using that. It is worth noting, when you have Max New Alone using your boss beam on the very first frame does a screen-clearing bomb. So if you have a ton of enemies going on, you activate that and everybody's gone. Oh, cool. Adrian, how do you like the enemies in Stage 3? Well, I know one thing. I don't like the one that closes the ceiling and floor. That that goddamn worm. Yeah, whatever the shit that thing is. (laughs) That that funny. Yeah. Where it closes it down super thin, super to like super thin levels, and it actually does it fairly quick too. But even then, when you like try to shoot the bastard to death, sometimes it's like it's not enough time, and yeah, that can you end up killing. Well, you can also avoid it. Yeah, yeah, if you already know, if you already know it's going to do that, you can avoid it. I actually got lucky and managed to avoid it on my first try. Can you uh, kill it before it closes the wall? Yes, you can't. Yes, but and you can also kill it to get by it. It's easier it has if close you... the wall. It's yeah, easier, easier if you use your boss beam. Yeah. But you, but you may as well just skip the whole thing if you know it's coming. Yeah. So I bet the enemies... One of the more complicated ones are those blue... I don't know how to describe them. They look like turtles, flying turtles, where their yeah, fins are like the sea turtles. Gamera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mirror turtles. Yeah. That's all I could think of, because I watched Gamera 3 this weekend, so... Yeah, so they kind of... Yeah, they're some of the more, like... They don't have AI, but they are definitely more complicated because they move in a wave pattern up and down, back and forth. It's hard to describe. Okay, no, I know how to describe it. So they're kind of like the balls, except they all go up and down in addition to moving left and right in a wave pattern. And then while they're doing that, at the same time, they're shooting um, uh, diagonal lasers. Sometimes that one's a little harder for me to understand because sometimes they'll only shoot one, sometimes they'll shoot four, which makes them... Yeah, kind of unpredictable. There's no tell for when they shoot, so... Hmm. Uh, I am... As a matter of fact... Uh, well, I'll let you go. Is, uh, they're reflecting your shots, 
Uh, oh. So if you don't shoot at them, they won't shoot either. Wow, I never... They also have a lot of health. Yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're mirror turtles. That's what I was saying. They're mirrors where they reflect everything. Yeah, I never caught that. Never, It never looked like that they were reflecting. Because the thing is, like, when you're shooting big-ass beams and then it comes out if it's a little small beam, like, it doesn't really convey that they're <laughs> reflecting your shots. It looks like they're firing a totally different beam. If I so, recall correctly, they're introduced while you're dealing with waves of lots of small enemies, so it might be hard to pick up on a, a detail like that. Yeah, they're, also, they're not by themselves. Also, don't enemies only shoot in pink shots while you shoot with blue shots? Oh. I don't yeah. think so. No, I think he's so, right. So it makes sense for the turtles to reflect blue shots back at you. Okay, because the thing is, like, even if you hit them with the... Oh, no, wait, I'm wrong. There are some green droid enemies that fire green shots. Okay then. But the yeah, some of them shoot rockets too. Which are... In general, in a lot of the, in a lot of the fiction, especially Japanese works in a lot of comic books, blue is a good color. Green and purple are evil. I thought and red was an evil. But is okay. that where the Joker comes from? <laughs> well, well, like I said, it's been a lot of the. the, the <laughs> Lex Luthor is also green and purple. But uh, uh, the reason is that because they're the opposite. Of the, is that heroes tend to have primary colors: red, blue, yellow. Those are heroic colors. Green, per- green, and purple are usually considered villainous colors. But I, also, in terms of uh, Eastern stuff, uh, Dragon Ball Z usually villains key blasts of it are usually like purple or green or something like that. Heroes are almost always the same color as the beam of the. Is that light blue? That light blue is almost always a heroic color. Well, Goku wears orange, but yeah, it's Galaxy versus thing. Kamehameha. Yeah. The color of his key blast. I'm talking about the color of his energy. The color of his key blast. Yeah. His key blasts are usually blue. Uh, so, Adrian, are there... Let me see. Yeah, there's actually several interesting enemies. There's um, there's this like not pink Nautilus or purple Nautilus-looking enemy that... Mm-hmm. It, it comes in a strange pattern. One, it comes from the back of the screen, so actually first time I think I encountered them, I think they uh, killed me. But... um. What they do is they go forward, they pause a bit, go back, and then go forward again. And another thing is that once they go forward like that, um, they tend to shoot out like a spread of those purple shots. Yes. But they can also attach to a wall and then, you know, shoot more of those shots. So I thought that was kind of interesting. They don't just fly off the screen. If they manage to hit a part of the level, uh, they will stick to it. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Level 3 is also, I found level 3, stage 3. I can't pick up my mind on what I want to call it. Round three. It's also where it gets a bit more bullet helly, uh, especially with like the those green. I don't even know what to call them. It sucks when you don't have a name for these things or a description for what they even look like. They're just these green things that just shoot a ton of those purple bullets all over the place. Yeah. They move. They move in somewhat the same formation as the ones in the beginning of the level, but sometimes once they hit like the middle of the screen, they just go on dance off and move. Well, yeah, my those guys can get pretty out of control. It also might yeah. be the fact that for the for like half the level, you're also in much closer court. You don't, you're not as, as wide open as you are in the first two stages. This is the first yeah. stage to introduce close quarters. Yeah, yeah. Like once once you get past that weird like giant yellow kind of mini boss sort of thing, that's when um they start introducing those things that pull down gates that you definitely want to kill them before they reach the ceilings, and then you're gonna get into more cramped spaces where there's turrets. and That section with the turrets where it, the path splits into is definitely where I make use of the 
technique where you sort of graze the top of them with the front end of your ship to destroy them. So are there any interesting combinations of enemies? The first enemies are those green things. Once even a line of two of them come, you can only deal with one, and naturally the other one, uh, that's when you're going to realize that, oh man, these, these bastards are dangerous. They're not bad if there's only one line of them, because you can deal with one stream of bullets aimed at you. But once they're coming at you from two different angles, you have just such a mess of bullets. Yeah, and um, here's uh, the first section. Around 1050, that's when you see when they start mixing those things with the mirror turtle, who will just start spazzing out. Obviously, you don't want to be diagonal to the mirror turtle, so the mirror turtle isn't as much of a problem as those things are because the green things... They can be anywhere where they shoot their bullets, and they shoot such a barrage of them that um, really you want to deal with them first and then deal with the turtle. And then the thing is, shortly after that, that's when that yellow thing comes out, and he sort of just fires at your position, so he's easier to avoid, but um, he's still just a nuisance just being there. The faster you take him out, the better, and that's when you know they introduce the, I don't know what, what to call these things, gate closers. Yeah, you can just call them gates. The inchworm. Yeah. What are those things that turn into... Worm. I'm sorry. <laughs> what yeah. are those things that what? They turn into those green orbs when they die. Oh, the ones that turn into, like, the flashing red-green orbs that you yeah. have to shoot oh, away. Oh. Oh. Rainbow they... poppers. Okay, I remember those guys were annoying because, like I said, you kill them, but they're still a ha- they still leave behind a hazard. Yeah. Actually, um, I think I might have found this section. If you go to 1136, you'll see those guys shooting these weird red-green flashing balls that are actually affected by your shots. You don't destroy them. You sort of, like, push, push. them away. That's really cool. Yeah. And there you see the green walkers uh, shortly afterwards, but they're, they're so in the line of fire that you can easily kill them before they ever manage to do anything. Have you memorized any part of the stage? Okay, without watching this video, I know there's a part where it goes up where it will scroll upward, and there's going to be a lot of those fish coming by, and I know I usually use my bomb there, because um, that's when it gets super hectic. Either I use my bomb, or that's probably a place where I'm very easily going to die. Yeah, so you got your trigger figure ready when it, when you see that scrolling transition. Yeah, and I knew because that's, I think, one of the few parts where the, maybe the only one where the game ever scrolls up and not to the side. Uh, I do believe that is the only time yeah, you use all forward momentum. Yeah, see this, because you see there's two lines there. The The person in this uh, long play used the technique of, because he already knew where they're coming from, he moved near the bottom of the screen so he could take out that first line. Because the thing is, they come and shoot from both sides, and that's what makes that one part so damn hectic. Even if you memorize that they're coming from there... <laughs> And you kill that one line. Uh, it's still really hard, unless it's, you bomb. Yeah, it's still pretty hard. So what do you think of the boss of round three? Um, the boss? I think the boss is pretty nice. Um, the only thing that I don't like is that he does have a move that is practically impossible. So there's a way where he where he throws the beetle while it's shooting a laser that you cannot deflect because... Yeah... See, right now he manages to not let that happen, but if the boss ever does that, you're pretty much... Uh, That's what I was complaining about. So he kills it before he does, so he kills the boss before he manages to pull it off. Part of it is just timing, because um, this boss, I think, does move in a fixed pattern where the dung beetle throws the ball, picks it back up, throws it, 
it's just that his moves, like when it decides to shoot, is on its own timer. And if those two ever happen to align where it decides to use the laser and throw it at the same time, uh, that's when it gets... Yeah, when, he used, when it gets yeah. enough new alone. So this this is an argument I had with Shouty earlier. Oh, it was uh, one-sided. It was we, me just more like grinning at you. I, I decided to agree to disagree. <laughs> Adrian, what? why can't you dodge the boss beam? Because it, cause it, cause it covers it from top to bottom. But he throws the ball, right? Yeah, he doesn't throw it that high. He, I mean, he, it's... He, throws it, he throws it high enough that it covers the top of the screen and goes right to the bottom. But there's space under him as well, right? Under who? Under the ball. Oh, uh, oh I mean, not for yeah, me. but it, yeah, not it's it's not that big. It's like in you consider it's, the fact that you have the giant. The the dung beetle is also there. So like, what are you yeah. going to squeeze under? Like he doesn't start moving from that spot until you a throw, little while. The arc isn't after. the arc isn't long enough. Yeah, but there is room to get under, and if you are pressuring the boss or just stay right near the boss when it's up near the top of the screen like that, you can get by. Yeah, but I've, then you also have the, the the fire to contend with from the other from the from the dung ball itself and uh the the long neck head thing. So it's hard. Well the long neck head thing does that shoot? I didn't think that did anything except Actually Yeah it doesn't shoot and it doesn't touch you. Yeah what does that, it do? That, it's nothing. It, it's, it's just, just there just... to eat you alone. Oh, I thought it was uh, intimidating me. Um, <laughs> well, it does do that. So yeah. you do have to be able to dodge the try shots from up close, which is a lot harder, but you only should be doing that if the boss is up at the top of the screen in a position where it might be ready to you know, throw the beam or the, the ball the beam ball. shooting the beam. Yeah. That boss no, is kind of weird. What was like? What was the argument that that move? And it was impossible uh, to dodge. The argument is that it's not impossible to dodge, and that the strategy it should lead you to take up is to stay closer to the boss. The thing is that one, he rarely, he's so like, it's not a common thing for him to do to throw the ball and shoot the laser at the same time. The well, other is, there's nothing that says you should be that close to the boss in order to squeeze under that spot. Normally the ball is usually so far away that you can very easily tug to the left side of the screen to avoid the ball. Yeah. See, I don't really get complaints because, yeah, I don't remember him being that difficult. I mean, and obviously, I mean, to be fair, he never gets hit at all, but even in the long play, it, he doesn't look... He seems he seems like the most simple of the bosses, honestly, of the whole game. He seems like the most simple boss of the whole game. I So I, I was kind of surprised that people were acting like this guy was, like, the uh, so frustrating. And He's not... No, 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 no. He has one unfair move. This yeah. specifically when he show, shoots the laser while throwing at the he, ball, at, which uh, doesn't always happen, and which he doesn't always do if you kill him fast enough. So yeah, but I mean, for the most part, yeah. But, but I would say compared to the other bosses in the game, I would still say. Uh, but to me, that beetle's probably the easiest boss. Well, I, we're not talking about stage it. one boss. Mm, okay, yeah, maybe the stage one, but still, I mean, he's still pretty, uh, like I said, uh, honestly, like I said, he's still pretty simple, you just stick to the left, and, you know, just keep hammering him. Yeah, but the trick is that you can't stick to the left because of the attack Adrian's saying, which you don't yeah. see in the video. The only, the only reason why the long play video is sticking to the left is because he knows what he's doing, uh, the, right. the player, they know he, what they're doing. 
he knows that he's going to kill the boss fast enough that he's not going to see that attack. But mm-hmm. if you're not in a position to do that and you're not confident that you're killing the boss fast enough, then you need to stick close to him. Otherwise, you won't be able to dodge that. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, but, but if you're doing this for your first time, you wouldn't know to do that. So one, one last thing worth mentioning. When bosses do trigger the boss beam, you get a half-second warning before anything comes out. Where? On that I mean, screen. you can see an animation. And you hear them, yeah. Adrian, on the whole, yeah. does Stage 3 have a good sense of enemy design? It's certainly varied. I guess maybe a different question other than good sense of enemy design. I don't know. Maybe they might throw a little bit too many like new things at once at the same time because I think certain enemies, like the point they're introduced is alongside other enemies. So, like or the like those, guys. Yeah, or like those shrimp things where they come out from left side of the screen and naturally that can, when you're playing for the first time, that takes you off guard. It's like, frick, came out from <laughs> the left side where I couldn't see and I'm already dead before I could even react to it. Okay. Yourself, how do you like the enemies in round four? Stage four is uh, the first one that's really a synthesis of elements that have come before. I don't know that it introduces any new enemies. I might be... Oh, well, okay. Yeah, it introduces the bubble is the new thing. But aside from that, I think you're dealing entirely with enemies you've seen before that are now combined in new ways. In particular... You see the star guys, the sign pattern stars from stage two, the gamma turtles. Let's see. You see mechs. They're they're slightly different mechs, I think, but they fire in the same way. Yeah, the blue spider things I think are in principle the same as the green mechs from stage three, and then there are the rainbow ball guys who are back as well. Stage four operates in the kind of close quarters setting that 3 does, it tends to have enemies coming in from the top and bottom of the screen rather than the left and right, Uh, and it signals that with openings in the landscape uh, where you can see enemies will come in. It's particularly difficult because of the addition of the bubbles on top of everything else. So what do the bubbles do? The bubbles, instead of damaging you, just incapacitate you or prevent you from firing uh, momentarily, I don't know, for like a half second. The challenge of the, that that presents, even more so than not being able to fire, is that they take away your ability to cover above and below you, uh, like the scraping as we've called it, uh, and it's very difficult to scrape bubbles off of you because they have enough health that they are going to get through that unless you're really good at pacing them which is unlikely. So what you end up with is being more dependent on your positioning and less on your ability to control the direction enemies are coming from. Because I knew I wasn't going to handle the bubbles, like some of them were going to get through, I needed to be more conscious of where I was steering enemy shots or where I was getting them to aim to, uh, so that, yeah, it was more spacing and less of an aggressive enemy control situation. I see. Have you memorized any parts of the stage? One thing in particular sticks out. There's a, even worse than the worm that pulls shut the passage in stage three. Oh, no. Uh, there's yeah. like a, I don't know, a, a rock cliff that sort of <laughs> raises up 
as the screen is scrolling, and by the time it's at the halfway point, it's already cut off the screen or yeah. uh, cut off the path forward. So you just have to be at the front of the screen to get past that. It's no other option. It's the landing yeah. strip all over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly that. That was not great. And it's even a little more frustrating than the landing strip because, well, other than the fact that it's not the very beginning of the game, is that there's nothing particularly distinctive about the rock that's going to block your path. It looks just like everything else you've encountered in the level. Yeah, it took me a few runs to gain an eye for it. Yeah, you just have to be ready for that scenario. They do kind of cue it earlier in the level by having rocks that look similar that shift, but they don't screw you over in the same way. They, like, what, narrow the path but don't close it, yeah. Right. Do you ever attack enemies vertically with your shot in this stage? As I was saying before, it is important to because there are a lot of enemies coming from the top and bottom, but the stage makes it particularly difficult because those bubble enemies are just impossible to kill that way. Um, yeah. So you, you kind of can't rely on it. Did you ever use the boss beam? I haven't played stage four enough to have experimented uh, to that level with it. Okay. Um, generally, my approach is that I just play the stages straightforward until uh, I'm comfortable enough to start messing around with where my weak spots are. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to, as we said before, your ability to counter the boss is dependent on your power level. And when I don't have a great feel or a perfect feel for the pacing of the level, I am concerned that I will end up at too low a power level if I use my special during. Yeah, so that's reserved for when you're confident in your routing. In stages two and three, there are a lot of times where things get hectic with lots of enemies. But in stage four, I find enemies are more focused, they have more health, and there's less of them. And so I don't need the boss beam as much because there's... Um, I think of the boss beam during stages as more of a crowd control sort of thing, and well, you don't get crowds in stage four. Same here. That, oh, that I prefer to use the beam more for crowd control. Yeah. This is not the type of game that has a lot of high HP enemies. You see it a couple times. Stage 2 has a couple of them that are actually fairly trivial to beat. It's just not that kind of shmup. So, the shuttle boss is still giving me grief. Uh, do you think he's fun? I think it's probably the worst boss in the game. <laughs> oh, well, that said, I haven't spent a lot of time with the stage 5 and 6 bosses, but... Okay, so it does bring to the forefront the whole attacking from multiple angles that is uh, a thing this game loves to do, but in just such a boring way. Like, it's just a cycle of now enemies spawn in from the bottom, now from the top. It feels like when you... more like part of the level. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And what makes the bosses interesting or what makes just gameplay interesting in general, is uh, trying to shoot at things while also trying to dodge things. And I think that that boss really divides that so that when you're behind him, you have to focus offensively, but when you're to the sides, you're really just steering, which isn't very interesting. Yeah, okay. I didn't like how the missiles that the boss shoots kind of blended in with the background. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> this game does have a few visibility slip-ups with those missiles. I would have said, generally speaking, that this game is one of the better shmups I've played, uh, like, visual clarity-wise. Yeah, it, it is. Time, a, lot, yeah. A, lot, a lot of the bullets are bright and colorful. Yeah. If you, But if you let the Stage 1 boss throw missiles at you, I have such a hard time picking that out of the, like, psychedelic background. Oh, forgot yeah. about the of those missiles in the stage one boss. I'd never let him live long enough. Yeah. Those uh missiles, the um, the stage the stage five four. Yeah, four boss. I keep thinking it's stage five, but I keep mixing up four and five. Uh those missiles that it shoots out actually have a pretty good turn rate for where they're coming yeah, from. Yeah, that's another thing. You gotta be on where, So not only are they, are they fast, they're actually pretty good at turning towards you so I find that if they're if if they're shooting from above you, even if you hold left as soon as you see it come out, it, it's going to turn fast enough to get you anyway because you know you're a long rectangle. Uh, versus if you were more off diagonal, then you have a better chance of avoiding it. Or yeah. you could try shooting it as they come out using that uh, scraping technique we've been mentioning. Okay. Any final thoughts on enemy design in Metal Black? I'm just saying. I'm just gonna say that those bubbles are probably the most annoying thing in the entire game. And oh, they're the coolest uh, thing in the I game. Thought, yeah, I thought they were pretty cool. It's just yeah, that I thought they were they were like a nice obstacle that didn't kill you right out. Yeah, they're it's cool just a cool feature. I'm just saying that they they screwed up my day. No, <laughs> so, yeah, they're frustrating. Yeah, yeah level four yeah, just has like so much cool. shit going on. They're, that, the most, they're the most frustrating enemy in the entire game to me. I think. Level 4, to me, is an example of a case where none of the individual enemies are particularly fast or, um, like, appear unpredictably, but because of the density of what's going on and the types of enemies that are constantly being mixed up, it still feels like it plays at a really high speed. Round one is slow and easy to follow, but that makes its surprise hermit crab attack stand out all the more. Round two has tons of enemies all over, often approaching you from weird angles. Rounds three and four focus their enemies, narrowing on complex attacks from certain directions. Just by listing enemies and what they do, you can observe how rounds stick together. Each one has its own flavor brought out by its assortment of enemies. Thank you for joining me on Metal Black. Shouty, I wanted to ask, would you make a compromise called peace? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Um, Is this like something from like a poem you read? Yeah, I guess it's kind of, of like sort. a poem. Um, Oak, would you make a compromise called peace? Not with those aliens. Screw those guys. They're yeah. all, they've already destroyed, they've already practically destroyed the Earth. Why would I want peace with them? Yeah, you're talk really about, not losing anything. They're intolerant of us. They're killing everyone. Talk about intolerant. The, the first boss's name is Apartheid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What the hell? Uh, yeah, not going going for peace with that. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Adrian, would you make a compromise called peace? I wasn't able to come up with a joke in time, so I'm going to be boring and say yes. All right, okay. And yourself, would you make a compromise called peace? Only in my dreams. Well, I, <laughs> I feel like that's a spoiler. Um, what is this referencing? It's in the intro. Oh. The okay. game. Yeah, they they, right. made, they developed the Black Fly, and then they made a compromise called Peace. Um, but it made good use of New Energy, or the energy called New, New Alone, called as New Alone. The Earth has died. <laughs> I think that's my favorite part. Any final words? Uh, yourself? I think the Black Fly is a good name for a spaceship. It's memorable. Yeah. It's much better than Vic Viper. Vic yeah. Viper's totally better. Vic Viper sounds like a person. Vic Island? It sounds like the guy who drives the ship. Vic so? Viper is the pilot? I thought that was the point. No, the <laughs> ship is alive. No. The ship is like a robot with a personality and stuff called Vic Viper. Oh, wow. It's not really dumb. Oh, that's Please. cool. Who hasn't played oh, Gradius yeah, 5? Yeah, in Gradius 5, he travels back in time to help himself, you know, to extra dessert or something. <laughs> so, uh, before that rabbit hole gets any deeper, Adrian, any final words? The Earth died, and I was about to enter upon silence times. <laughs> That's pretty bleak. Silence. I'm sorry. Jeez. Uh, Oak, any final words? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just gonna say that, um, I'm going to be on the lookout to, uh, I'm going to be having a very distrusting eye to all dung beetles and chameleons after playing this, not knowing what they're planning. And look out for that boss beam poop attack. (laughs) (laughs) Shouty, any final words? Are you saying dung beetles weren't already distrustful as they were? Oh, hmm. They're they're rolling their shit. (laughs) (laughs) How is that not... No. I think in a bug's life they were friendly. Yeah. They were. Those weren't those, those dung beetles. Those are flies. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the roly-polies. No, there were dung beetles in it, I'm pretty sure. Those How were, could you miss the... that joke making a movie about insects for children? You just have to. No. Literally. I haven't no. seen Bugs Life in so long that I don't remember the dung beetle joke if there was I one. Like, I don't even yeah. like them. There is a uh, bug Bugs Life. Yeah. I bet, All right. I bet. I bet. I bet. You could reskin this and make it a Bugs Life video game. Yeah, but Insector X would probably see you. Ah, oh, that's uh, damn. All right. Well, I guess it's time for us to enter into silence times as well. Thank you all for joining me. All music on this podcast is from Metal Black. I'll leave you with this final thought. This time, we largely discussed enemies, but environments came up a few times too. Oak noted that Round 3 introduced environmental hazards after their absence in Round 2, and yourself detailed a frustrating moment with shifting landmasses in Round 4. How closely are environments and enemies linked? What information do landmasses impart to the player and how do enemies play off of the environment? How would you express the role that environments play in a round's identity? 
That's all for today. Catering for the Commune Podcast was provided by Amazo's Cafe. They may have a few screws loose, but they make a mean new alone pie. If you have any comments or questions, please email vgcommune at gmail.com.